From Vistio, this is CXQA Live. A show where we talk to the world's leading CX experts about industry trends, CX technology, and transforming customer support into a streamlined strategic advantage for your business. Great honor to introduce you to today's speaker. As soon as I tell you what company he works for, I know some of you are going to have that catchy jingle stuck in your head for the next few months. So apologies in advance. Uh, But in case you haven't recognized this gentleman yet, uh, we are here with the man in charge of Empire Today's customer service team, Mr. Philip Bennett. Thank you so much for being here today, my friend. Jacob, thank you very much. One business note I want to uh, take care of is I'm not actually the head of their customer service team. I'm actually in the call center doing the technology for uh, the contact teams. And so as a result, I play in an ancillary role, Um, but one that I consider to be very, very important to the call center is finding the right tech for it. So so I just want to clarify that actually the customer service team is a much broader team at Empire. And it, it spreads out throughout the markets and things like that because, you know, it, it we're very, very high touch. Uh, yeah. So, you know, that's really important to note. Um, but thank you. It's an honor to be here. And it's really an honor to talk about what I also consider to be the most valuable asset in any call center. You can bring in all the technology you want, mm-hmm. but that uh, is only going to help the people that talk to uh, your customer. And it is those people that um, uh, we want to try and serve as well. Yeah, that's very true. Now, Philip, I remember when we met to discuss like what we were going to talk about for this episode, uh, you and I, we seriously went down like probably 20 or 30 different uh, rabbit holes. (laughs) Yeah, that was a wild conversation. That was great. (laughs) I mean, if this session was not limited to 30 minutes, we could seriously go on for maybe like two and a half hours just talking about literally everything that we talked about. So in in the spirit of that, I wanted to focus on something that kind of encapsulates all of that, just to kind of to get us started here. Um, I've heard the terms like internal and external customer before, uh, but you really blew my mind because you said that you view everybody as a customer. That so, is correct. I do. So do me a favor, just kind of tell us, first of all, why do you view everything from the perspective of the customer? And why is that important in the contact center or just in business as a whole? Yeah, I, I really think it it's more than just a contact center philosophy um, when you think about it. I started out in sales and it was a relationship type of sales. So I would see the same people on a regular basis, once a week. And I did that for about 10 years. And one of the things that I learned was that all sales is relationship-based. It isn't the close, although it's very, very important to know the techniques of a sale. But the more important aspect of the sale was, was meeting people, learning what they needed, and really getting to know them over time. Now, Some sales that doesn't work for, but other sales it does. But the one thing that I found that could differentiate me from my competition was my ability to serve the customer. And as a result, I built that into the brand that I used as a sales rep competing against other sales reps in the field. 
I once had a, a gentleman call me up and he said, Philip, you know, this other company is here and, you know, they're cheaper than you are. What am I getting when I, when I buy from you? And I looked at him and I said, you get me and you get everything that I can bring to the table. You get service on whenever you need it, that sort of thing. And really, that is the case. I, I, I firmly believe that, that we all sell ourselves every day. But then if you turn that around, you have to realize that everybody that you sell yourself to is also a customer because they're consuming, you know, whether it is that that you're trying to influence them, uh, you know, through leadership or management. uh, But but you're constantly you have to realize that they are your customer. You're delivering service to them. It's really the essence of service leadership. And so if I view every person that interacts with me as my customer, then I strive to make, make things as best I can for that customer. All right. So my agents, certainly my customers, because I go out and I find technology for them. Hopefully it's technology that makes their lives better or their jobs easier or something along that path. Yes, I also have a duty to the company. They're also my customer. So hopefully that technology will also further the company's goals of, you know, more revenue, selling more carpet, that sort of thing. And then finally, there's the management that I answer to um, and across the rest of the call center as well, as well as the greater organization. They're consuming the data that we provide. So I'm looking for tools that will provide better data so that they can get better insights. And, you know, once you kind of, adopt that philosophy, it, it really will apply in business or in life. Everybody you meet, you know, if, if, if you can serve them, you will get a benefit back by doing so because people really, they, they, res, they respond to that. I really love that. And just the very first thing you said, talking about how being the customer, right? Like there, it, it is such an art to be able to be able to communicate to the customer because we are all the customer at some right. point in our lives. Like we experience that we have that opportunity. And with you having a background in sales, right, you know, like, yeah, you can sell a product, but every time you sell, you're selling to people and you're selling you to those people. So Correct. it's so crazy to me that people are so obsessed with like the end game, the the end goal. We just kind of lose sight of that, that more holistic view of we're people doing business with people. Even if we are B2B or whatever, or B2C, it's still the people, no matter what. And there are so many different skills that it takes in order to sell to people there's like a number of soft skills. And what's really funny, I remember you and I had a conversation about how when people started to uh, to lack on quota, they would send you to the call center as a punishment, oh, yeah. which, <laughs> golly, if, if the call center ever had a hard time <laughs> with, oh, with yeah. representation, to be used as punishment is terrible. But What's, what's absolutely astonishing, right? We talk about how everybody's a customer at some point. Those soft skills that agents have, there's so much you can do with those. Uh, you're familiar with Justin Robbins. We've had him on the show before. Oh, yeah. He actually wrote a really cool article talking about how being in the contact center can put you at a strategic advantage. Being an agent 
because you get to learn all those really helpful skills. Oh, that was a great piece. Right. Yeah. Oh, you read it. Yes, I did. That was a fantastic piece because it does, I mean, it prepares you for life. It, I mean, you know, it's funny. It's really a shame that, that my first uh, interaction in the call center was as a punishment and being forced to outbound dial cold calls hmm. because, you know, the truth of the matter is that is probably the hardest thing you can do in a call center. Um, I mean, it's way higher up there above, you know, taking an inbound call, which can be very stressful for people. I mean, you know, I, I I always talk to people about that, you know, because it's not just talking to people who want to call you and say nice things about you. It's usually people who call you. I mean, it is one of the most negative jobs you'll ever face. And, you know, what I didn't know about call centers then, and this was in the eighties when call centers were rather different than, and in some ways they're not that much different than they are today. It's just the equipment that we use has changed. But, you know, I didn't notice all of the the culture that was there because I didn't spend enough time there. I didn't see the fun that everybody has in a call center because you've got to fight that negativity and anything we can do to help the agents, you know, deal with that. Um, you know, a, a lot of times it's very, very hard. I'll meet people uh, in the field And because I work in customer service and in the call center, you know, they'll say, oh, yes, I've used your company. It doesn't matter which company, whether it's Empire or any. And I always go, "Eh," because all you hear are the negatives when you're in the call center. Mm -hmm. And but it's really important to talk to people because that's where I learned that, you know, yes, I hear the initial stages of the negative. But just like all the other things, I never hear the resolution, which is, you know, taking care of the issue, making sure that the customer is happy and whole and that, that everybody walks away. Now, does it happen 100% of the time? Probably not. I mean, you know, I'm a realist. Um, but I know from talking to people, it happens a lot more often than you would think from the inbound, you know, listening to inbound calls and, you know, hearing what people start off with. And, you know, the fact of the matter is we are all human beings. Uh, at the end of the day, everybody makes mistakes from companies to agents to people in the field. I can't stop that. The best I can do is take care of you when something like that happens. And, you know, to me, it isn't about being perfect out of the gate. It's about understanding that everybody's human and that we need to recover. well. And that does not mean throwing around blame. I mean, you know, the, the fact of the matter is, if you can identify what the problem is, you can fix it. But it's not to point fingers. Yeah, my number one philosophy, and a lot of people that have worked with me have always known this, but I always believed that my role as a manager was to assign the credit and take the blame. Mm -hmm. Okay? And as a supervisor, it only makes sense if you really think about it. Because nobody on a team can succeed unless the whole team succeeds. But one person can cause it to fail. And and you may be correct. It may not have been my fault, but I was the supervisor. I was the one that took that responsibility. And so if somebody drops the ball, that's between them and me. We'll discuss it afterwards. But I'm going to take the blame for having dropped the ball there because that's my role. And again, it's part of service leadership, but it's also part of recognizing that we don't succeed in a vacuum. We succeed as a team, 
but we can fail individually and let's try to hold ourselves accountable to that. I love that. And I'm sure you've heard the fail hard, fail fast as well. Yes. Unfortunately, we don't allow people to do that. It's really a shame. Everybody gives lip service to fail hard, fail fast. (laughs) My first project out of the box failed. It was the most important educational experience I ever had as a project manager. It, I learned so many things to look for and so many pitfalls to avoid the, the next time out, I didn't have that problem. But here's mm-hmm. the interesting thing. They punished me by keeping that on my budget for three years at that call center. And, and actually it was longer than that. It stayed on my budget for the rest of my time at the company. And I, I kept complaining that the contract would have been up three years ago, you know, and, but they just kept putting it as a charge to my back. I mean, you know, it was, it was a tweak. It was, it was kind of a thumb your nose at it. Now here's the other interesting thing. I didn't lead another project for that company. Mm-hmm. So here's the real problem. They paid for my education, but got no benefit from it. I try <laughs> never to do that with an employee because here's the deal. Why would I pay for his education and then turn him over to somebody else? I mean, that that makes no sense. Uh, It's the old joke of, you know, the CEO and the CFO. The CFO says, you know, what if we train all these people and they leave us? And the CEO comes back and says, what if we don't and they stay? I mean, you know. Sometimes I do train my uh, competitors help and sometimes they train mine. I mean, you know, but that's just because everybody's not the right fit. Uh, You know, you got to find the right fit for yourself. So you you should always make sure everybody has that training and yet you make sure that everybody's taken care of. Yeah. And and I love this. And we've actually got a comment here from Kenneth. Uh, Kenneth, thank you so much for chiming in here. Hard agree on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, leader takes the bullet, team gets the glory. That's how you gain buy-in and demonstrate positive leadership. And that's absolutely that's something else I've noticed is there's there always feels like there's this divide, right, between agents and management. And you know, if you go on to one of the hundreds of different Facebook groups that exist where it's just contact center agents ranting about their jobs, yeah. if they they always the finger immediately goes up to management. And sometimes, yeah, maybe it is management's fault, but maybe it's the company's fault. Maybe the company isn't investing as much as it should um, into its customer service operation. And on that topic, you know, you mentioned earlier, you like to look for tools that help your agent, which, of course, we all know tools is just synonymous with AI these days. Uh, (laughs) We don't need to get into that. I just just wanted to throw that out there. Um, But besides just getting tools and putting the latest tech in front of your agents, what else can brands do to kind of improve that overall experience for both the customer and the agent? So a couple of things, um, you know, really having an open line of communication is, is critical. Yeah. Um, another thing that we found very, very successful when we were in-house, we now do it in virtually, but we would make sure that we would bring the CEO into the call center to do Q and A's, talk to the customers and, you know, or talk to the, the customers, but talk to the employees and make sure that they're getting uh, feedback from the employees, senior VPs, when we can get them in, you know, certainly the ones that run the call center, you know, they come down. And even now that we're virtual, 
we're now starting to get back into just a little bit of socialization there where at least we bring senior, all the senior leaders and supervisors in to meet with these people, you know, on a regular basis. The rest is done virtually with, you know, uh, corporate meetings and things like that. But again, it's hard, especially virtually. I do find that that face-to-face will work better when you're trying to make that type of a connection from a CEO to an employee, that sort of thing. If you're doing it in in like a Teams meeting, it's going to feel a little less connected. But by the same token, I, I think that there are benefits to the remote life as well. And so, you know, there are some things that we just sort of have to take into account and kind of work around and still try and maintain that connection with the employee. Because I don't know if I've told you this, but I've told dozens and dozens of people this, you know, we all listen to Ted talks and and that sort of thing. And they always ask that one question of the CEO, what is it that keeps you awake at night? And I, I listen because the one answer that I never hear that I believe I should is that the very person who talks to my customer representing my company using my voice is the person that everybody in the company is trying to downsize, automate, or outsource. Mm. And to me, that's the biggest shame in the world. And what does it actually say about the customer? And, you know, this is the problem. We talk about customer service. We talk about customer experience. I did work for a company once that had a teddy bear that sat at the sea level. And that teddy bear that was sitting there was the customer. So that everybody in the room would remember the customer was in the room. I believe it's even better if you have like a, a chief experience officer, someone who's willing to sit at that table and actually play devil's advocate, because that's what you have to do in these cases. You have to say, hey, is this what you want? when you have, you know, when you're being taken care of, because that's the thing that we always forget. You know, you mentioned it. We're all customers at some point in our lives, almost constantly. It doesn't matter where we're a customer. And so, you know, that has to be, you have to remind people, you know, look, is this the experience you want when you pick up the phone and call us? I mean, I know you're the CEO. We'll take your call instantly, that sort of thing. But that's really not, I mean, you want it to resonate with everybody not just specific people. And, you know, there, there are tools out there for that. Oh, this customer is more important than that customer because of X. Well, one of the most interesting things that I learned was we never know how valuable the customer is. You know, we can track their purchases over a lifetime or we can track their deposits in my, in my accounts, but we don't know what they have someplace else. We don't know what they purchased elsewhere. We don't know what, what it is they could be looking for unless we ask and unless we try and find out. And so you, you, you just can't assume that because this, this metric says these people aren't that important or they are less important than this person. Well, maybe we just haven't tried hard enough. And I used to, you know, I used to make it my goal when, when somebody would come in uh, and this was at a brokerage firm, you know, I would, I take all these little tiny accounts just, just send them over to me. I'll work them. And it was amazing. Once you gain trust, how many people would then bring assets over to you? They just wanted to find out if you could do it or not. Um, and the same thing will work in, in any other sort of sales. If they're, 
People buy emotionally. They buy because they like you. It isn't because you've hammered them over the head. Now, sometimes logic will prevail, but at the end of the day, it's an emotional thing. And so we have to work towards that. Mm. I'm, I'm still I'm still reeling about that comment that you made when they asked the CEO, what keeps you up at night? It's just stunning to me that more people don't answer that way. Like it, it's one of those mind blowing moments. There's so much just immeasurable value that comes from your agents. And I will always question and I will continue to question why more people don't recognize that when that is the front line talking to your customer. Also, it makes me think about our last episode that we did with uh, Doug Raybald. Shout out to Doug. If you guys haven't watched that episode, please go do that. He is a fantastic individual. Um, He talked about how one of the things that they should be doing is going after the customers that have like a bad experience, like ones that just completely cut you off, right? That's your most valuable feedback. You find out why, well, why, why don't you want to do business with me anymore? What was it? What was it about your experience that you disliked? Again, mind blowing that this is something that like, isn't just common sense, right? Your agents talk to your customers. That's your voice right there. They use your voice to speak to your customer. So yep. I, I guess it's just, it's, it's weird. You have these agents with all these incredible trainings and they know how to speak your lingo to your customers. The fact that we're not just making them like focal point is bizarre. And not only that, but think about how your agents, they're the ones that, that are on the front lines, not only dealing with your customer, but dealing with your process as well. Of course. Oh, so, yes. No question. And they they will have the best ideas to innovate. Right. Your frontline agents, they hear it. They see it. They work it. They know what's wrong. They They know what's right. (laughs) And I'll tell you what, asking frontline agents for ideas is one of the best things that I've ever done. We actually, I'm going to give you this idea free of charge. Uh, You can do anything you want with it. I think it's a tremendous idea. And it was just a huge program, but we ran a program, an innovation program, and we actually institutionalized innovation at a company that I worked for. And the way you did it was every quarter we would poll the employees and we would ask them for ideas. And everybody got to submit their idea to us. And those that we chose, and we would choose about uh, eight or 10 a quarter, would get put on a team to come up with an idea and then they would get to present it to our C-levels. And they came from everywhere in the company. They came from frontline agents in the call center to people who were working. And the neat thing about it was we had basically two locations. We had our call center in El Paso. We had our home office in Chicago. And so we would give people time off of work to work on their project. They would get to know other people in other locations. So you you cross-pollinated you know, personalities and ideas and training and things like that. And then they would present an idea to the C-levels. And if the C-levels accepted it, then they would be put on the team that helped implement. And, you know, they worked around it to get their idea through. It was a tremendous idea. But the other thing that was so much more important to me was cataloging every single one of those ideas. 
because every single one of those ideas had value. And then we would go through them and we would find those things. And the neat thing is when you're fighting in a competitor, the, the gosh, wow, oh my God, that's a cool thing. Well, they can rebuild that. They yeah. cannot rebuild your processes because mm. their processes are different. So if your employee tells you how to do your process better, more efficiently and more profitably, they can't compete against that unless they do the same thing. The people that do the job have the knowledge. And the other thing is it offered opportunity to these employees because A, the C-level saw them and got to know them. B, they got a chance to interact with them. So now they're not just some ivory tower someplace, but they're human beings that they can talk to. And, you know, they would all go up to them afterwards and talk to them individually and, and you know, learn about who they were. And it was just a great way of, of you know, cross-pollinating the rest of the company with ideas and with people working together. And it just worked tremendously. Yeah. So I, I throw that out there. It, it worked extraordinarily well for us. The one thing you have to worry about is that the, the sea levels are always going to go for the big idea. And it's the little ideas that will move, move things the most. The big ideas are great for gosh, wild though. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the big ideas are good for like the, Hey, look at this. And then like, here's a little pat on the back. And then the little guy is just kind of left over and they're like, hey, but this is like, eh, no, nah, this one sounds more exciting and sounds like it's going to turn into more money over here. So <laughs> yeah, you got to you, you got to take that into account. But like I said, you know, if you can find those process improvements, because those are things that you don't need C-levels to put in place. Those are things that you can just say, oh, can, OK, let's go change this process. Find out what we do. Yeah. Change the process, make it work better. Oh, isn't that great? We, we yeah. don't have to go get permission for that. So and it's. Yeah. I, I love that we led into this discussion completely unplanned, by the way. We just started talking <laughs> right. about feedback here. But uh, we actually have Shafiq. He's been coming onto the show uh, for a little bit now. Uh, you'll always uh -huh. see him over in the chat. Uh, we're actually going to be talking about agent feedback in his episode. So, oh, cool. It's, yeah. So it's, it, it's just a happy coincidence. I swear that was unscripted. <laughs> but, you know, it's. Well I know, I know we're running kind of short on time here. We've got three minutes, but I guess just to kind of sum everything up, do we, do we think that we're kind of heading in this direction now to where we are going to start seeing more of a focus on the actual overall design of experience for both customer and agent? Or do you think we've still got a little bit of a ways to go and AI is throwing everybody off? Here's the thing. I do not believe that AI is going to totally devastate the call center. In fact, I believe that we'll probably need a larger headcount after AI comes into the call center than before AI comes into the call center. The other thing is we are going to definitely need AI to improve the customer experience. So mm -hmm. tools like call guidance or process guidance or RPA for the things that agents do every day that are mind-numbingly dull, boring, and don't need to be done, that can be automated easily, those we need to automate so that the agent can focus on the experience with the customer and, and on the customer. You know, things like call guidance uh, are great because it'll prompt you when you've forgotten the next thing you want to say, that sort of thing. It'll help you through the conversation so that you don't have to worry about those things. You can focus on 
listening to the customer and hearing what it is that they need. And if you do that, then it'll increase your sales rate right off the bat. So yes, I don't think we're where the hype says we are yet, Hmm. but I do believe that there's going to be major impact in ways that we don't anticipate now. I believe that it will be on agent facing sides to make the interaction easier. And the reason is we're going to take, we will take away a lot of the meaningless stuff, the stuff that basically only benefits your average handle time. That's all it is. It benefits the company, but there's not a lot in it for the customer, not a lot in it for the agent, and there's no emotion whatsoever. But if you get rid of those things, then everything's going to be much more emotional, much more charged, and much more difficult. And so they're going to need those tools. The other thing is your average handle time is going to go up. And if you get the same number of calls and you have a longer average handle time, you need more people to take those calls uh, inevitably along the way. Now, you and I both know that attrition is, is something that makes staffing a call center an interesting challenge and, and it's never hard to right size. Yeah. But the fact of the matter is we're going to need more people. We'll need people that can work with AI. We'll need people who can be data analysts for AI. All these things are are much different than what we're doing now. And we need to make sure that as we're supporting the customer, we're supporting our customer as well in the call center, the agents that are going to be handling those more interesting and difficult transactions. So, and we're to time, but very quickly, first of all, what a great way to end the show here. But Lisa in the chat, Lisa Guzman just said, Agents are the proverbial canary. Absolutely. I love that. Can, can we steal Absolutely. that? Can we, like, can we put that on a shirt yeah, or really? Because that's <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> that is a great quote. It is so true. That is so good. Well, Philip, I, I, ser- I can't believe it that we're, it's 1231. We're already at time here, at least on the East Coast. Um, but wow, this was such an incredible opportunity to get to speak to you. I feel like we covered a lot of ground here. You know, I'm going to be hitting you up for like probably the next 15 episodes or so to unpack all those topics we talked about the first time. <laughs> but it, it seriously has been such a pleasure just to kind of get to know you and to learn more about your situation and just hear all about how the CX, the customer experience and agent experience can just be applied everywhere. So thank you so much for being here, man. Um, guys, remember... We are going to head into the post-discussion table. So if you've got time, feel free to hop in with us. We're just going to be sitting around and chatting, kind of recapping and just having a good time. But Philip, once again, thank you so much. Jacob, it's been an honor. It really has. (laughs) Well, it's an honor for both of us. We'll take it. (laughs) But uh, to those of you who are hanging out, we'll see you soon. And to those of you who are not, hope you have a fantastic day. And remember to go do something amazing. We'll see you. Thanks, everyone. Listen to a recording of this and other episodes. Visit vistio.io forward slash podcasts. And to join our show live each week, go to vistio.io forward slash CX Live.